if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. On AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number two underway now, eight minutes past ten. Thank you so much for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. It's a Wednesday, the uh, third morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2020. Thanks again to Chaplain Theo Wilson joined us last segment. I've been talking this morning about policing in America. I've been talking this morning about the chants that we started to hear in multiple cities last night. Multiple video confirms that apparently they just all had the same idea at the same time, and that was to chant, defund the police, defund the police. There have been organizations, of course, that have wanted to defund the police and to literally dismantle and destroy the police. As a matter of fact, some of them sit in the United States Congress with the letter D after their names. They have openly called for abolishing the police and then rebuilding some sort of law enforcement in their mindset. Uh, but last night, they were doing this in multiple cities, and people still want you to believe, the media still wants you to believe that these are just organic protests that start out peacefully, but then people's pent-up anger and rage builds up in them, and then they carry out these terrible attacks and these terrible assaults. That's what they want you to believe. They don't want you to believe this is an organized attempt to deconstruct the police departments and the law enforcement community and, at the end of the day, the entirety of the United States as it exists today. No, uh, it's not that. It's not that way, and it's not that simple. And if you think that it is, you are just simply not paying attention. This is an organized attempt to demonize police officers in an attempt to destroy police officers and thus the rule of law in the United States, so that a socialist slash communist utopia that they envision can become a reality. So the first part of that is demonizing poli- police, declaring them to be. Uh, systemically racist, declaring them to be socially unjust toward people of color. That's what they have been called. Not too many people are listening to them. So I want to bring one of the leaders of police in the state of Ohio. As a matter of fact, he's the leader of the FOP, the president of the Ohio Fraternal Order of Police. Gary Wolski joins us to discuss this now on AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, Gary, good to have you on the program. How are you, sir? Good morning. Thanks for the invitation. Great. Hope you're doing well as well. Gary, I've known you for a long time, and I've called you Gary for a long time. I don't have to call you President Wolski now, though, do I? Absolutely not. Okay, just checking on that. <laughs> it's a title that's very well earned, and I, and of course I'm teasing here, but uh, congratulations to you on being the leader of this uh, very important organization. 
And and right now, police need leaders, Gary, um, because policing is uh, it's always a very difficult job, but it has become almost an impossible job now. Can you tell me, as we listen to the media, and politically speaking, most people on the left uh, demonizing cops, calling them racists, uh, supporting the attacking of police officers who have been shot, had bricks, bottles, uh, bags of urine, and all kinds of other disgusting and dangerous things thrown at them. Can you tell me, as a leader, what do you say to the members what do you say to the rank and file that have to go out there in cities where this stuff is going on? How do you keep their chins up? How do you keep them focused on the jobs they have to do, Gary? I, I think the, that that's a very difficult thing to do, and I think that you just constantly remind the membership and, and, and the officers that the vast majority of people in society appreciate what we do, don't have an issue with police on, on a day-to-day basis, and that, you know, you're out there protecting those people at this point in time. It, 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 it's, it's the job. It's what you signed up for. And, again, it's a small, small percentage of people, as you can tell by the protest. The vast majority of those folks protesting are there for a reason, a valid reason. They're exercising their, their First Amendment rights. They're peaceful. They're protesting the way they're supposed to. But then you get the the fringe folks that come in that you were talking about earlier with the, the people that have the bricks set aside and, you know, delivered to a corner so that they're there. Yeah. And, you know, we've heard many stories of where the peaceful protest is, you know, mar- they're marching down the street to their destination and all of a sudden a carload of folks pull up and the next thing you know, they're inciting everybody to violence. And, you know, pretty much it takes one or two people to start the violence and break in the windows and then it just, it, it snowballs from there. And it's just a matter of reminding the membership that the, the really to believe that the citizens do believe in you and trust you. What's disheartening knows when the politicians turn against you, which is what we see from many folks on the left and some from, from some of the not exactly mainstream media folks. We're talking with FOP, Ohio FOP President Gary Wolski. Um, Gary, when, when you, what did you think when you saw the video uh, in Minneapolis? I, I couldn't believe that it, that that was happening. I mean, it's hard to believe that anybody, could, any police officer could do that to any citizen for any reason, for any amount of time, let alone the nearly eight minutes or nine minutes I've heard different. I didn't time it when I watched it. And even more appalling is the officers that are standing there that aren't doing anything to help the victim, to help Mr. Floyd. I don't understand why you don't do that. You know, tell the guy, hey, you got to get off this guy. Let, let the guy alone. I mean, I can understand the protests because I think they're well-deserved. There's just no reason for a police officer to do that to somebody that's handcuffed and on the ground and, and obviously in some, some distress. Enough um, distress that they called, the, called an ambulance for the, for the gentleman. Gary, I've been wondering also why uh, the three others didn't do anything. Uh, here's something that I heard and I have not verified. That one of the uh, other three was the brother-in-law of Derek Chauvin, the officer with his knee on on, on George Floyd's neck. One of them was the brother-in-law, uh, and the other two were rookies. Um, speak to experience and rank, because I've always been told from by, by officers, but I want you to kind of discuss it. You know, the, the police department, police departments are very much like the military. You don't question a senior or superior officer. I can't imagine that two rookies would see a 19-year vet like Chauvin on top of him and say, hey, get off of him, sir. 
uh, or should they have? I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm not an officer, and I wasn't in the military, but, but I'm told that there were two rookies, and one was the brother-in-law, and maybe that's why they just said, you know what, he's the experienced leader of this, uh, this situation here. You know, we, 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 we trust his judgment. Yeah, I agree. It, 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 it's very, very difficult for, for a young officer to tell a veteran officer, hey, you shouldn't be doing that, because I, I think the look you would get was like, what are you talking about? I've been here. And maybe they had experience with that with that officer in the past where they suggested to them, hey, maybe you shouldn't do this. It, it is, you know, paramilitary structure in nature. The younger guys typically don't tell the, the, the more senior folks what to do. And I did hear that about his brother-in-law also, and maybe that played into it. But, you know, morally and ethically, you certainly... As difficult as it is, you want to say, hey, come on, enough's enough. And, and nobody did. And I think that there's some culpability on, on, on their part for that when it comes down to, you know, possibly having some charges filed against them. I mean, you I have a, a duty. Every citizen has a duty to help somebody that's in a situation like that. Every citizen and, and, and law enforcement officers are certainly held to a higher standard and, and should be, especially when it comes to helping citizens. That's your job. You know, the governor made a comment yesterday that, the job of law enforcement and government is to protect those that can't protect themselves. And those officers fail to do that. We're talking to FOP President Gary Wolski. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I'm trying to find a reason why they wouldn't have intervened, like I said, and maybe their, their status as rookies, not wanting to question a superior officer was part of that, but it should not, uh, alleviate, you know, re- relieve them of their own culpability. You're right. They, you know, they should have done something, even if you're not an officer. Uh, anything you can do to try to convince him to stop doing what he is doing would have been appropriate, and I think there should be punishment for that. Um, so, so here we sit. Uh, police officers are being targeted. Uh, more and more of them are being shot at every night. Some of them have already been shot and killed. Uh, they're being targeted by, by, by bricks and other things. And yet those who are, who are uh, complaining about them are angry that they're showing up in riot gear. They're, they're, they're accusing the police of escalating the violence by showing up there with shields and helmets and, and bulletproof vests and riot gear. I mean, what, what are they supposed to show up in considering the fact that the, um, the, the, I, again, I can't call them protesters. These are these are anarchists. These are rioters who are there to assault and to harm people, persons, property, and yes, police. Um, how do you feel about the, the the fact that police are being specifically targeted because of the actions of one police officer or maybe four police officers, if you count those other three in Minneapolis, Minnesota? Well, you talked about it yesterday. You know, what we're hearing from the protesters and, 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 and the anarchists especially is that we shouldn't paint everybody with a broad brush that, you know, an African-American in a predominantly white neighborhood shouldn't be stopped just because of their race. I totally agree with that. Well, then don't paint every law enforcement officer the same as the, the Minneapolis officer because we're not all like that. That's one guy. There's there's occasionally, and we, and we hear about far too many of them, a handful of times a year, where, where a law enforcement officer acts improperly with a, with a suspect or just a, a citizen on the street. And, and most of the time, they're taken to task for that. Don't, you know, like I said, all police aren't, aren't, aren't like that officer for sure. You know that, and I know that. And if you watch those on TV, the officers aren't the ones being aggressive. They're not aggressive until the crowd becomes aggressive. And right. We talked about it a little while ago about defunding police before, before I came on. Look at those protests. And that's what would happen if the police were defunded. That would be your life every day in this country with no law and order. That would yeah. be 
It would be like the movie. The it would be like the movie The Purge. Did you ever see the movie The Purge? It's a, it's a, it's a series actually. There's two or three sequels on it, but it's basically the premise of it is that for one night a year, in order to, uh, in order to allow all people, all citizens to, uh, um, get out all of their stress and all of their anxiety and all of their whatever, all laws are suspended and police officers stand down for one day slash night a year, one 24 hour period. So anything you do is legal, including robbery, murder, blah, blah, blah. It's insane. It's a goofy Hollywood movie premise. Right. But that's reality if we take the police away. If we defund police, if we take police officers off the streets, in fact, particularly the victims when, when police aren't doing their jobs and aren't being proactive and aren't being out there, the victims overwhelmingly are black. Um, I, I, there's another study that I was talking about before you came on this morning, uh, Gary, in which uh, there are tons of examples of cities in which there are um, con- uh, um, there are controversial uh, interactions between police and uh, suspects, and whenever there is a massive media spotlight on them or investigations launched against them, police officers pull back because they're very afraid of, of you know of, of getting involved in something, especially while tensions are very high and. Inevitably, in all of these circumstances, the homicide and violent crime rate in those communities where they have pulled back from goes up exponentially. And it's in black neighborhoods, and the victims are black people. And so the question remains, if the whole idea here is black lives matter, and of course they do, uh, if the whole idea here is to protect black lives, then police officers have to be, rather than, than, than less proactive, they have to be more proactive in these higher crime uh, crime-ridden cities, so that so that the people actually have some protection. Absolutely true, and, and like you said you see that all the time. I mean, it, it, when there's not a lot of enforcement, crime runs rampant, and it's crime is opportunity. Right. When there's opportunity, people commit crime. If there's not police cars around, they're going to commit crimes, which is what we're seeing now. You know, the police departments are sent, are, are working at one location with a crowd and, and they're looting stores in another area or breaking out windows and doing things like that. When the police move to that location, the and that's the protesters, like you said, the anarchists, the criminals, move to another location and commit their crimes all, all over again in a different location. And I, I don't really know where this whole concept of what you described in that movie, Purge, came about, where we just allow people to... Well, we'll give them these couple of blocks. They can break all the windows out, and they can loot from just this area here, and we'll kind of keep them confined. Where, where does that concept come in, that the poor guy that owns that subway on the corner or, or the shoe store or Macy's, you know, and, you know, any of these places, what gives people the right to infringe upon their rights? These protesters and, and, and anarchists want their rights to be protected, and, and they tell us all the time they have the right to do all the things that they're doing. Well, what about the poor guy that wants to drive down the street that can't get from point A to point B? And, and you want to go to the Cleveland Clinic, have to get off at a certain exit, because and they don't know how to go, go to work anymore because the way they want to go is closed off at, until 8 o'clock in the morning. What right. about the rights of those folks? 
And not just those owners, but the employees. Because once those businesses right. are destroyed, those employees no longer have jobs. Uh, and, and so you're, you're harming so many other innocent people. Gary, we're past our time here, but I want you to take 30 seconds, if you can, as we wrap. To What message do you have for people who are concerned? We're six nights into this, that it's been violent and it's been uh, vandalism and destruction. Uh, and, and it's happening in Cleveland. It's happening in, uh, it's happening in uh, Columbus, obviously, some of the bigger cities. But now I just saw something. There's going to be a black lives matter protest that i hope is peaceful in avon this coming saturday what message do you have for ohioans uh as it pertains to protesting and as it pertains to um obviously what has become much more than that i think the big so if you want to go take part in one of these protests protest vocally march hold up your signs shout your slogans but when you see the people that are the vandals and the anarchists and the criminals Point them out to law enforcement so law enforcement can take them out of the crowd. Once we get that handful of people out of the crowd, I think a lot of this problem will go away. And again, most of these folks are from out of town. These aren't our homegrown people for the most part. These folks are paid by groups to come in and, and, and create all this problem. But you know, and, and be mindful, if you're going to go to these protests, you may be injured because of the crowd. And when the crowd runs away from, from, from the police or when if they have to you know, use tear gas and things, you need to be a be attentive to that. If you're just going to watch to be a bystander, that's no place to be. If you want to truly go and take part in the protest, that's one thing. But just to be a bystander, I think you can put yourself and your family. And I've seen pictures of people taking their little kids to, to show them these protests. I get it. It's a lesson in, 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 in civil rights. But do you want to put your, your kids in, in a position like that where they could be mm-hmm. in danger? Right. Gary Wolski, uh, I know you have a tough job, as does every person wearing a badge right now. I appreciate you, and I appreciate your candor and your transparency in all of this. Thank you so much for your message, and uh, and we'll talk again soon. Be safe, sir. Thanks, Bob. Take care. Thank you. Gary Wolski, president of the Ohio Fraternal Order of Police, joining us, and we'll be right back. All right, it's a uh, short segment here. It's 1028. Thanks again to Gary Wolski, president of the FOP, and uh, thanks also to Chaplain Theo Wilson, who joined us in the first uh, or in the uh, first hour of the program for their thoughts on all of these things. I want to get yours the rest of the way at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. We'll have open phone lines the rest of the program. Let me get a phone call from Gates Mills, and this is uh, Richard, who wanted to say something before the bottom of the hour. Richard, good morning. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, oh, I don't have anything particularly to add, but I was shocked when you read off the uh, lists of demands. And wh- whose list of demands were those? This is not exactly the, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, that's the well. It's the revolutionary revolutionary abolitionist movement, uh, which is. Uh, um, kind of running some of the Antifa organizations. This is what their goal is, an end to capitalism, and end to uh, this republic as we know it, and end to a sovereign state, and so on and so forth. And part of that uh, is going to come from destroying the United States from within by eliminating police and eliminating law enforcement. Yeah, well, these people are insane. I mean, they're just flat-out insane. Yeah, well, you know, uh, Richard, that's because you're a sane person. <laughs> 
<laughs> and you see that, <laughs> and, I, and I see that. But seriously, no, I'm with you. Uh, it's whether it's insane or it's depravity. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just flat out evil. But but these organizations exist. And you know what? It's not insane to think that they couldn't come come back and do this. We have seen hundreds of millions of people die around the world because of governments uh, that were run just like that. And I'm talking about, you know, communist totalitarian governments in Russia and in China and in other places that have killed literally hundreds of millions of people uh, and enslaved even more because uh, because that is what they, you know, they were able to do. So for us to not recognize that it's, while insane, uh, possible that these organizations exist and they are moving to make to bring about you know that that type of uh, of a society that would be uh, that would be foolish of us to to think that it can't happen just because we know it's insane. Yes, well, uh, I was uh, hoping to write a book or article about how every country will shift to democracy, but uh, I don't think these people even uh, support democracy. No, they, they don't. They absolutely do not. They do not. They don't believe in democracy because they don't believe in government. They don't believe in anybody should be in control except for them. And uh, that's when they will use, as they said, and when I read in that list, militant forces to bring that about. Richard, thank you for the call, my friend. Be, be well. It's 1031 News Time and more calls after this. All right, 1036, AM 1420, The Answer. Thank you for listening to us. I haven't talked much about Mike DeWine in the last few days because of obvious reasons. The national unrest, the national rioting, the assault on the society, the law enforcement community that we hold so dear has uh, dominated, obviously, all of the news cycle. But I have to say something about Mike DeWine now. Um. This morning, he went on Fox News. He went on Fox and Friends. Our governor did. And our governor was asked about the Republican National Convention. Why? Well, because um, the, the convention was supposed to be held in Charlotte, North Carolina, this year. This was decided a while ago, of course, as these conventions are always, uh, you know, take a while to put together. But it was supposed to be done in North Carolina. But because of ongoing concerns over the coronavirus, the Democrat governor of North Carolina won't let the RNC hold their convention at full capacity. They are going to have all kinds of restrictions on the convention to renominate the President of the United States uh, as the incumbent President of the United States. Sorry for the redundancy. Um, but as the Republican nominee... And so the president told them, look, we are going to have our full convention. Uh, we're not going to be socially distancing or having it one quarter full or any of those kinds of things. And if you can't give that to us, we'll take the convention elsewhere. The Democrat governor had a deadline placed upon him by the president to confirm that they're going to be able to have their full convention in Charlotte. That deadline is here. So they asked him on Fox News this morning, asked Mike DeWine, hey, the Democrat governor of Charlotte or of uh, North Carolina won't let the president hold the full, and the RNC hold their full convention. He's openly looking for a new site. It was in Ohio three, uh, four years ago in 2016. What about bringing it back to Ohio? Governor Mike DeWine's response was no. That is not something we would volunteer to do. 
Now, I want you to recall the obvious. The state of Ohio's economy has been devastated. Over two million citizens have lost their jobs in the two and a half months since Dr. Amy, the mumbling lab coat, Acton started calling the shots for Mike DeWine. By the way, in violation of the Constitution, according to a Lake County judge, but Ohio has been brought to its economic knees, like many other states, by the actions of the governor and his uh, health director. Thousands of Ohio businesses have either been closed for good or are teetering on the edge of bankruptcy because of that. Millions of Ohio workers are, are in, in dire straits because they can't pay their bills. They can't get unemployment compensation to work. They don't have jobs. Their businesses have been closed forever. The RNC is up for bids now for a new host city. It was just here four years ago, and it brought tens of millions of dollars in economic growth and economic development to the city of Cleveland and to the state of Ohio. Talk about a shot in the arm. For the Ohio economy, talk about a way to fix things for the business owners who have who have been uh, who have had their doors closed by Mike DeWine and Amy Labcoat. Here's a perfect opportunity to make things right by them, to get a huge influx of revenue. At least make a bid. Go to the RNC and say, you know what? We had huge success in Cleveland. We know the logistics necessary. We know the layout necessary because we just did it four years ago. If you're taking it out of Charlotte, North Carolina, bring it back here. And by the way, just from a karma standpoint, it worked. President Trump was elected against all odds after the convention being held in Cleveland. Not saying that that's going to be automatically, uh, you know, it's automatically going to work again, but we ran it perfectly. There were concerns about riots at that time, by the way, but we were perfectly well organized between our police and federal uh, 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 agencies providing uh, support by way of Secret Service, etc. We we know how to do it. We did it. We can very easily do it again. And by the way, bring tens of millions of dollars into the state to help the businesses that have been suffering because of the coronavirus shutdowns. And Mike DeWine said, no, to hell with our business owners, to hell with the employees. We don't need those tens of millions of dollars because the virus is still around, he said. The virus with the 99.9, I'm sorry, 99.74% survival rate is still around. It hasn't been totally eradicated yet. The virus, the virus, the virus. What are we going to do? 99.74% of the people surviving isn't enough. Remember, we had to shut down businesses to flatten the curve. 0.26% fatality rate pretty much hammers the curve into a pancake, into a, a piece of paper. Oh, and by the way, over 70% 
over 70% of those deaths that, that do exist among that, two point, uh, that 0.26% come from nursing homes or other congregate living settings. Pretty sure we're not asking the convention to go into nursing homes where the most vulnerable people are. The lockdown and the quarantine was supposed to be for 15 days. They told us, just give us 15 days to make sure the hospitals don't get overrun. Okay, we did it. Well, it worked. We didn't, we don't, hospitals aren't overrun, but they might be next month, so let's do it for another 30 days. And we know where it goes from there. And then another 30 days, and now another 30 days until the end of June. We already did April and May, and now the end of June. And oh, by the way, we don't want a convention here. We don't want a convention here because that virus with the 99.74% survival rate still is, is about just waiting to pounce upon people and make them feel nothing because of the huge number of people who get it and are never symptomatic and never get so much as a sniffle. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know what the hell is wrong with this guy. Excuse my language. I, don't, I really don't. I understand the Democrat governor of North Carolina wanting to stick it to the RNC and to Trump and saying, the heck with you guys, I'm going to use the coronavirus as an excuse not to have your convention in our state. But Republican Governor Mike DeWine, rather than partnering with the RNC and bringing millions of dollars of economic development growth uh, in, in putting it in the pockets of Ohio business owners who are su- suffering and struggling because of his hand-picked abortionist lab coat, it's just beyond the pale. I never thought I would long for the good old days of John Kasich. But here we are. Give me Ted Strickland back. And I'm not kidding. This guy is destroying Ohio daily. And when an opportunity comes, a gift from God to bring tens of millions of dollars of economic growth back to this state by way of, of, of uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, not meeting the president and the RNC's demands and thus being put up for bids on the open market, any city or state can, can now bid for the bring, to bring the convention. He says, no, we don't want it here. Because the virus, the virus, the virus. What would Amy say? I can't, I can't, you can't go bringing thousands of people and millions of dollars to the state of Ohio because what would Amy say about the virus, the virus, the virus? The virus that the CD says has a, a mortality rate of 0.26%. And the vast majority of that in congregant living settings. And she still went ahead and unconstitutionally extended her order for another month. What would Amy say? I have never been more ashamed of a vote that I have cast in my adult life than the one that I cast for for Mike DeWine. I'm sorry. And that is not to say that I'm a fan of Richard Cordray. But I have never been more ashamed of that vote. There's a reason why I supported Mary Taylor in the primary. I believed in Mary Taylor for a reason. And we're seeing it play out before our very eyes. Mike DeWine is no more a Republican than, than, than uh, uh, Mitt Romney is. 
than John Kasich was. Just get it over with. Declare yourself a Democrat, Mike, and get it over with. You don't want to bring the RNC to Ohio. You don't want to bring tens of millions of dollars of economic relief to the people and the businesses in Ohio. Just call yourself what you are and open my state up again. Ron is in Parma on AM 1420, The Answer. Ron, go right ahead. Hello. Yes, sir. Hi, Bob. Hi, Ron. Listen, I just wondered, I don't know whether I've heard you mention about Cloward and Piven on this at uh, any time lately. Yes, from time to time, when we do see parallels between that strategy and what is going on, yes, sir. You're right to bring it up. Well, I've just wondered, because I read about them, and I, I know that their plan is to take this country down and try to build it back the way they would like to have it, like communism. But uh, I didn't uh, catch uh, you speaking about it, and I was just wondering if you would uh, educate some of these people that don't know about those people. Well, you know, it's a great point, uh, Ron, and we have talked about it uh, from time to time as we have talked about uh, the... um uh, the strategies of others that have, you know, that have uh, kind of sought to tear down the uh, the American capitalist society and rebuild it in the in the image that they want. Cloud and Pivot are two of them. Obviously, Saul Alinsky is another one that we talk about from time to time. We talk about the Revcom USA organization today. I was talking about the revolutionary Ab- revolutionary abolitionist movement. Abolitionist movement. They're all separate organizations or separate. Um, theories, if you will, but all aimed at the same thing, which is to tear away the liberty and the capitalism of the United States, because they see the potential here for extraordinary power uh, amongst those who are able to get rid of the power being in the hands of the people. So, uh, It's just these, a lot of the people have no idea who these no. people are. No, they, they don't. And, 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 you know, I mean, I shouldn't say they don't, because here's the thing, uh, Ron, and I'm glad you brought it up. Thank you for the phone call. Um, this is an intelligent audience. It's an educated audience because it's an audience that I know I share with people like Dennis Prager, okay, and people like Hugh Hewitt and people like Dr. Gorka, and these kinds of things are taught and talked about in many, many different circles. So I think this audience probably knows more about it than others, but you're right. As a whole, the mass of the people, they don't know who Richard Cloward and, and Francis Pivot, uh, Francis Fox Pivot are. They don't know what that strategy is. They don't know what overloading the public welfare system is all about. They don't know about, uh, you know, guaranteed, uh, this one, they, although if they're listening to, uh, uh Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Sharia Tlaib and, uh, and the like, they kind of get it because they're espousing it on a daily basis. They're espousing this, you know, universal basic income uh, principles and and government control, huge government control of your health care, your life decisions, etc. They espouse them on a daily basis, so people should be aware of where they came from because they're hearing it a lot. But you're right, uh, people who are not members of audiences like these might not quite get it, uh, and uh, that's the key and that's the question: is how do we spread that to people beyond the knowledgeable base that we do have here? But I'm glad you brought it up because you're 100% right. The Cloward, uh, Cloward Piven strategy is, uh, is a very, very prime example of what I discussed in hour number one. Uh, quick time out. I've got time for a few more phone calls before the top of the hour on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, final segment of the broadcast now. I've got time for a few phone calls here at 1054. We'll go to Tremont. Dave, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for waiting, Dave. Go ahead, sir. Hey, Bob. How are you, my friend? I'm good, Dave. Thank you. 
I can't hear you. Hear me? I hear you just fine, Dave. Can you hear me? Yeah, yes, sir. Um, okay. Listen, I love you. I listen to you every day. And uh, forget Strickland and uh, Kasich. I'd even take Boehner back. I mean, this is this is so bad what DeWine is doing. He's an anti-Trumper, it's obvious, and, and his plan is to fall in suit with all the other Democrats to do everything they can to harm Trump before the election, and this just falls right in line. It's so sad. Uh, our brothers in blue and everybody else that's struggling through this thing, it's just tragic what, uh, what's happening to our city and, and all the cities around the country. Yeah, and, and the, the most frustrating thing about it is it's all avoidable. It's not just tragic, it is preventable. What is happening here, and you're right. He's, he's got a political motive here in mind. He does not like Donald Trump. He is a part of the never-Trumper crowd of rhinos, and, and, he, and he would be willing to sell out the, the people, the business owners, and the employees of the state of Ohio rather than help them. He would rather well, sell, out, uh, sell them out uh, and not have the convention here than actually have to come here and do what Kasich did not do. You remember what Kasich did not attend. Yeah, it didn't um, show up. Right. And, and you know, DeWine yeah. doesn't want to be there either, so rather than, than putting himself in that position, he'll just say, no, we don't want to have it here because of the virus. It, it's, He's it's just pathetic. so squirmy and wormy. It's unbelievable. When are we going to find a real GOP that we can get behind? I mean, why yeah. are they always on the cusp? Can't we just find one true Republican to run this state? It's unbelievable. Uh, we're looking. We're looking. And, you know, here's here's the hard part, my friend. And thanks for the call, Dave. Uh, here's the hard part. If we find a true Republican, meaning a true conservative uh, Republican around the state, you know, it's probably a little bit harder to get him in. Okay? I mean, Ohio is a red state, but it's not a deep, dark red state. It's obviously, you know, very easy for Democrats to win uh, the governor's mansion. They have done it. And, uh, you know, going just back to, to Strickland, of course. Um, you know, and so if you bring somebody who's too conservative, you might alienate some of those independents, and maybe that's the problem. Uh, but I would love, as you say, to bring a true Republican, a true conservative, uh, who believes in the, you know, the rule of law, believes in the Constitution, and does not surrender it to, uh, walking lab coats. Wally is in uh, Brooklyn on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Wally, go ahead. Hello. Wally, can you hear me? Hello. Oh, yes. hi. Hey, listen, I was talking about the Republican National Convention. Um, yes. I was just wondering, you know, isn't there a way to, um, you know, stand up to DeWine and, uh, you know, have people email him and bombard him with emails and phone calls saying that we want it here? You know, uh, we should have a voice in this. It shouldn't just be up to the governor to say, no, we're not doing this. It's okay for people to riot and go and do all this stuff, not wear masks and, and do all this terrible stuff, but to have a national convention here and have a say in, in the presidency of the United States, that's going to be boycotted by one man. Well, at the very least, at the very least, you know, if, if, you know, we don't have a say directly, our representation should have a say. In other words, why don't we run this by the state assembly? Because they represent us. But here's the thing. We already know the answer to that because, um, when, when a bill was put forth by, uh, by the uh, state assembly to limit the, the, the lab coats, uh, powers, he said he would veto it immediately. He doesn't want the people to have a say. He doesn't want the representatives oh, to have a say wow. in anything. So his answer is, look, we're still in a health emergency, says the lab coat. So since we're still in a health emergency, her orders uh, rule, and her orders would be that we can't have a convention of that size here. No gatherings larger than 10 people. So he's That's always going to defer back to that same same principle. 
Unbelievable, right? It is. Unbelievable. Thank, thank you, Ollie. Yeah. I appreciate the phone call. It, it is very frustrating. All that bill did was say, look, you know, for 14 days is the maximum amount of time she can shut down businesses and this and that and the other under uh, health uh, advisories. But if she wants to continue it past that, it's got to go to the people. You know, it has to go to that uh, that committee, a uh, uh, joint committee of, of Ohio House and Ohio Senators, uh, to decide whether or not this is something they agree with going forward on. And uh, the governor said, nope, I'll veto that. You don't get a say, representatives. You don't get a say, senators. You don't get a say, citizens of Ohio. It's up to me and my liberal abortion-providing health director. That's it. Last call is from Donnie in Euclid. Donnie, 30 seconds. Go ahead. Good morning, Bob. I, I just have two uh, quick uh, points that I want to make. Number one, I, I, I'm uh, highly offended by these people who claim to be people of the cloth, who, who who think that they're God and they can read the president's intentions and his thoughts. And number Agreed. two, is, is Joe Biden and Al Charlton, are they going to attend the uh, uh, memorial for that police officer, that police captain? You know the answer to that. Uh, thank you, Donnie, for the call. I'm out of time, but you're right. They're going to go to the George Floyd for a photo op, but they're not going to go to anything else. You're 100% right. That's all the time we've got. Uh, thanks for being here. We'll see you tomorrow. Enjoy the silence.